Welcome to everyone tonight. It's good to see everyone. If, if I missed you and you're a guest here tonight, glad you're here worshiping with us this evening. Amen. Praise God. And let me say really quickly, uh, this probably is the last time I'll see some of you. So let me say uh, this uh, this evening on behalf of myself and my wife and Hope, Charity, and Noah, I want to wish all of you a wonderful and warm and safe holiday with your family, a wonderful Christmas. And uh, I was talking to Brother Bickley before service, we were just chatting, and uh, boy, I can't believe it's only been six months. Part of it feels like a lifetime. And I don't mean that like a negative thing. It just has felt so natural, this transition. And I know it hasn't been easy for everyone, so I, I know some of it's been tough. But in a lot of ways, it's felt so natural. It feels like it's kind of hard to remember that it used to be different than this. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. I wouldn't be the first time I'm weird. That's okay. Uh, it just kind of feels natural. It just feels good. And uh, I'm just thrilled at what God has done and uh, extremely encouraged and filled with faith of where we're going and what, um, what God's going to do. Amen? Uh, we often say it, and it's kind of cliche, but I believe it. The greatest years are ahead of us. I believe that. Amen. And I fully believe that it's our time. But so many times we say that, and that sort of gets a passive reaction. What's our time? So we just, well, that means we can't. No, 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 no. That means it's time to get your sickle out, get out in the field, and let's go win some people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I don't have a. I don't have a fancy scripture to start off with. I know it is sacrilege to preach without starting with the scripture. I apologize. It's my, I'll give you my go-to scripture in these moments. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And we can at least have something as a starting point. What I'm talking about tonight has nothing to do with that. But at least I have read a scripture which would give me the right to start preaching. I want to share something with you very simple tonight. I'm not going to be very long just something very simple I want to share with you this evening. If you would, Sister Nash, if you could put that up on the screen for me, if we've got that. I want you to take a look at this picture, if you would. At first glance, based on the angle, I wish I could have find a, found a better angle, but based off this angle, you can't really tell quite exactly what you're looking at. You can go online and see some other angles that are better. But if at first glance at this picture, you kind of just think it looks like every other picture maybe of a lighthouse. But this is unique. You see, this is called the Jeffrey Hook Lighthouse. Or it was made famous and called the Little Red Lighthouse. From this angle, it looks bigger than it actually is. It, it sits at the base of the George Washington Bridge in New York City. I've driven that bridge several dozen times probably. I've never seen it. It sits almost 
exactly underneath the bridge. I can tell by our, our famous New Yorker here, she doesn't even know that was there. Do you know that was there? Okay. Who else is our New Yorkers? Who else are New Yorkers? Do you remember that? Okay. So I'm not the only one. This lighthouse was originally constructed, I think, all the way back in 1889 in Sandy Hook, New Jersey. If you know what, that name sounds familiar, Sandy Hook. It's probably familiar because several years ago when that hurricane came through, Sandy Hook was really hit hard. That's probably where you, hey, I heard that name before. That's where you heard that. 1917, they didn't need the lighthouse anymore, and so they were going to get rid of it. And New York City said, we need this because that body of water that you see there is the Hudson River. Very busy body of water, many boats going back and forth. And so New York City, the Coast Guard in New York City, purchased this lighthouse from New Jersey. And over the course from 1917 to 1921, they dismantled this lighthouse and moved it from New Jersey and they brought it up to New York and they set it on the banks of the Hudson River. And every evening, the lighthouse keeper would go up and he would turn on the light and it would beam across the water and it would warn and show ships the way and kind of mark the shore and in the storms and the winter storms and it would keep ships safe. Only 10 years after it was constructed, it was, they decided that the George Washington Bridge would be built. This lighthouse stands 40 feet tall. Not very big, even for a lighthouse. The bridge stands over 600 feet tall. When they built the bridge, they decided there really no need for the lighthouse anymore, and, and uh, there was a desire to tear it down. Well, in the process of this, there was a book a children's book that was written about this lighthouse had become a little bit of a pop culture uh, uh, um, phenomenon. A lot of people knew about it. So when they decided to tear it down, a lot of people kind of panicked about it, said, no, keep it up. And so they turned it into a landmark, and, and, and uh, they, 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 they said, we don't really need the lighthouse anymore. We've got the bridge. And so the, what the lighthouse was used for, no need anymore. We just use the lights from the bridge. The bridge has all the latest technology and the newest lights. And it's, it's, it's designed to keep ships safe. And so we don't need the lighthouse anymore. So we'll just leave it there and it'll just be a landmark. But it doesn't really serve any use. And so the lighthouse keeper stopped going up and turning the lights on. The story goes is that one evening there was a great storm that rolled into New York City and great fog that kind of swept across the Hudson River and the fog covered the bridge. And all the lights from the bridge could not be seen. They were too high. And there was a tugboat that was coming down the Hudson River because no one had gone and turned the light on on the little lighthouse that was no longer needed. That tugboat could not see where the edge of the water was. And in the middle of that, the tugboat ran aground and crashed. The whole point of the story is, is that you have a bridge that comes along that carries 300,000 plus cars a day go across the bridge. If you've ever gone, if you've ever 
haven't been across the George Washington Bridge, it's amazing. It's two, two decks. It's amazing. It's cars just constantly. Over 300,000 cars drive over that bridge every day, and I guarantee you most of those people don't realize the lighthouse that's underneath. They're going somewhere. They got things to do. They got places to go. They're busy. They're coming in the city, out of the city. They're on their commute. They're on vacation. They're, they're sightseeing. They're doing other things. There's really no need to stop and look at the lighthouse. You can go visit it now. It's a, it's a park. You can go down and see it. But there's no need because we, we've got other things in, that have been built that are greater and, and more advanced than the lighthouse. And that's okay as long as there's no storm. That works as long as everything is okay. And, and in this picture here, the water's calm and the sun's out and you can see the clouds and you can see the blue skies. It's okay. But when the storm comes and blocks out that bridge and the fog cloaks that bridge, if there's no light from that lighthouse... There's no way to navigate the water. You see, many people today treat God and treat the church like the lighthouse. That was good for them back then at work, but we've become a more sophisticated society. We've advanced. We, we got places to go. We got things to do. And, and our lives are built like that. We kind of have built sort of this super highway of life that we kind of get so busy day to day, going back and forth, doing our thing, that we really never stop and think about the lighthouse. We go across the bridge every day, and we don't even know that that lighthouse is even down there. And, and, and so when, when, when someone comes along and says, be careful that you forget your lighthouse, our reaction is, well, I don't really need, why am I going to spend resources and time taking care of something I don't need? You need to spend time with Jesus. You need to walk with Him. You need to get to know Him. Oh, that sounds good, preacher, but you don't know how much I've got going on in my life. You need to develop a relationship. Oh, I will, but when I get time, I'm so busy. I've got things going on. I've got all this stuff I've got to do. I've got to go to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And you know what? I, 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 God knows. You know, He understands. He understands I'm busy. He understands I've got stuff going on. He understands that, that, that you know, I got a lot of things in my life and I, I, I got to take care of. And he understands I, I, I give him what I can. But the problem is there comes a point of crisis in our lives when all of that we think that's important the fog of life and the storms of life roll in and they cloak what we consider to be important. What we think and we spend so much time on, no longer we can see in the desperate times. You think you got, you're busy? You get a call from the doctor that says, this is going on. All of a sudden, your schedule's cleared. You get a call that your loved one's been in an accident. No longer are you worried about checking this or doing that or going here and participating that. All of a sudden now, it's no big deal. Now, why? Because I don't think we're as quite as busy as we claim we are. I don't know if ever in history 
a society has been more, has been busier producing less than we do. We go and we drive and we go crazy and we produce less and less. And the problem is, in the middle of that storm, when you need it, you realize, wait a minute, <laughs> I didn't turn on the light. And usually you find in the middle of the storm it's too late. And it seems redundant. Why should I go every day and turn on this light when I've got the bridge? Why should I turn that light on and make sure this lighthouse is kept and make sure it's working and make sure it's functioning? We've got a bridge, preacher. We don't need the lighthouse anymore. Oh, but you don't know unless you know tomorrow, which the Bible says no man knows tomorrow. You don't know the day, the hour, the time when that next storm of depression, that next storm of fear, that next storm of doubt, that next storm of attack, that, that next storm of chaos, that, that next storm of family conflict. You don't know when that's going to roll in. And if you're not spending time every day making sure that that lighthouse is working when it comes time and it's needed, you're going to realize I should have spent time Making sure the lighthouse is working. All of a sudden when the, when the chaos comes in, it seems insignificant. It's only 40 feet tall. This bridge is 600 feet high. I believe it's like 3,000 feet long. It's huge. It's massive. It carries 300,000 cars a day. Why do I need to care about a 40 foot tall lighthouse? And you know what? Good day. On a perfect day, there's no need for it. That's why the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to be saved. Uh, everyone in here wants more money than you got. But the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to be saved. Why? Because a rich man has got a big bridge. Why does he need a little lighthouse? He can build a bridge, and if that bridge fails, he just keeps building bridges. But you know what? I don't have the resources in my life to keep building bridges. I got a choice. I can get up every day, and I can make sure my lighthouse is working. I can get up every day and make sure the light is working. And I can say some days I don't really need the light, but I'm going to make sure the light's working. There are times I'm going to get out and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get that red paint and I'm going to begin to paint over the wear and the tear and the scars and the debris that comes on my lighthouse and I'm going to keep it in working order and it may look like I'm being redundant. It may look like a waste of time and you may say to me there's better things you could be doing with your time than working on that lighthouse but I'm telling you there's a storm that's going to come one day. 
And if you don't have a lighthouse, if you don't have a beacon, if you don't have something pointing your way home, there's going to be a point in time where you get on the shores of the seas of life and you can't see one step in front of you. But I'm telling you, it's in those moments when you look out into the darkness and you look out in the fog and even in your lowest moments, you can see that light that's blinking out in the distance. And you know, I may not be able to make it, but if I can get to that light, if I can get to that light, and so I'm going to get up today. I'm going to get up on a Monday morning. I'm going to make sure the first thing I do, I'm going to check the lighthouse. You see, if I only check the lighthouse on Sunday, what happens if I need it on Wednesday? If I only check the lighthouse every Sunday, what happens on Friday? I got to make sure I get that lighthouse. Keep that lighthouse. We all want to spend time on the bridge because the bridge is what gets us places. The bridge looks better. It's fancy. It's shiny. It's got all these bright lights. We go back and forth. The bridge represents progress. The bridge represents advancement. The bridge represents technology. Do you know how little technology is inside of that lighthouse? Literally. I think I read somewhere it's got like a 10 candle power. I think my phone may be brighter than that. It's not very bright. And this bridge has got, I mean, everything. And technology and all this stuff. And the lighthouse looks insignificant when they're standing there on a good day. When they're standing there and everything's good. You know, I'm preaching this today and some of you, you don't listen, you don't buy it because why? You got some sun in your life. You got some blue skies. It's okay. I'm sitting on the beach. I'm relaxed. I don't need to mess with that. And you know what? With that attitude, the scary part is, is that in this world, you shall have... Tribulation. As they say in Maryland, if you've lived here long enough, the saying about Maryland is, if you don't like the weather, stick around five minutes. Our weather changes so drastically. I remember years ago, one summer, one summer uh, afternoon, I believe it's called a derecho. What was that thing called? What was it called? The ratio. How many of you remember that thing that came through here? I'm sitting in the house we moved out of. I'm sitting there, and, and, and I, I look on my, my phone and the radar, and I see this, like, band. That, I mean, that thing reached up from Pennsylvania all the way down to Virginia. And that thing is just moving across. And I'm sitting in my house, and I didn't really pay much attention to it. And a little while, a little while later, I hear this rumble. And I thought, my God, it's like a train coming by my house. And I thought it was just like massive amounts. of. And I go out there, and there's no, no rain. It's just this incredible amount of wind. And we had stuff blowing all over the place. I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I wasn't prepared for that. You know what? We live in a world today that 
is different than hundreds of years ago. Because they get on, you know what? I don't know, maybe some of you are like me. Two of my favorite things to do. I don't know. Weird. I know. I get it. I like to look at maps. And I like to check the weather. I enjoy looking at maps, especially nowadays with all the aerial photography and all the stuff. I love that. And I like looking at the weather. And now you can find the weather forecast for weeks and weeks in advance. It's not accurate, but at least looks cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in my, I was sitting there a week or so ago and, and I'm looking through the weather and I, I, I did the expanded 15-day forecast because that's what I really need to know to plan out my schedule is 15 days worth of weather. And I'm scrolling through and I see that little white thing on the weather. I'm like, snow. Yes. You know what? It's not going to snow. That was 15 days ago when they printed but it was cool at least for a moment to think, snow in December, how awesome was that? And then I got to looking and calculating how close that was for, to, December, to Christmas. I'm like, oh, a white Christmas. You know what? Probably not going to. I'm telling you what. Those of you who have small kids, I got the best career for them to go into. Tell them to become a weather man or weather woman. No other job can you be wrong and still get paid. Literally, what a job. You can just guess and they'll pay you and good money. I mean, you just, it's going to snow and we all go out and buy 17 loaves of bread and 12 gallons of milk and eggs. Why is it? I'm deviating. I'm just, sometimes the bishop comes out in me and I deviate. I don't understand why when it's going to snow, we may die, but we're going to have bread Eggs and milk. Something about those three. It could be 30 feet of snow out there. It doesn't matter. I got my bread. I got my eggs. And I got my milk. I'm good. It's the first thing that goes. When you go in. And then I got this theory. I have a theory. I think, you know, advertising is a billion, billion dollar thing. If I was a grocery chain, like Safeway, Giant, Kroger, some of the big, big ones that are nationwide, if I was them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advertise one bit. The only thing I would do is I would find me a few weathermen, and I'd pay them. And I'd say, listen, we're a little low on sales. Can you do some kind of blizzard thing on your screen? It's going to be 30 inches of snow. Next thing you know, <laughs> our profit for the year just skyrocketed. Several years ago, they, those, those fellas said, we were about to have all this snow, and I'm all excited and getting ready to go, and I go out and get my shovel, and I'm ready to go, and I wake up, and there's one, one ounce of snow. And what do they do? They get on Twitter, and we're sorry. We're so sorry you missed it. I bet you are. You broke my heart. Now i got to pray for forgiveness. But we know now what the weather is. But hundreds of years ago, even less than that, 50, 60 years ago, you didn't know what was coming. 
He didn't know the weather. You didn't know... You didn't know what storm was on the horizon. You didn't know what was breaking. We didn't know about all this El Nino stuff and the weather that's out there and moving around is going to. We didn't know any of that stuff. It was all guesswork. And so back then, all this stuff was important because you never knew when you're going to need it. Nowadays, oh, we don't need this lighthouse nonsense. We'll just wait when the storm and the little fella on channel two, whatever channel you like, gets on there and tells the storm coming. Then we'll run out and we'll make sure the lighthouse is working. Well, unfortunately, there are no weathermen in the Bible. There's no forecast. I wish it was like that way, Brother Owens. I wish the Lord would say, all right, Joel, here's your seven-day outlook. Monday morning, I'm praying. Thank you, Lord, for this great week you're giving me. I praise you, Lord. Joel, yes, God, I'm giving you your seven-day outlook. Okay, I'm ready. Today will be a good day. You only sin three times, but they'll be minor. You'll be okay. Tomorrow will be a little cloudier. You're actually going to sin four times and then you're going to have a little bit of thing to work with, but you'll be okay. But Wednesday, Wednesday's going to be a tough one. I could wake up Wednesday morning and I could hunker down. Here it comes. God told me it's coming. It doesn't work that way. If that was the case, I could just say, well, when I need the lighthouse, I'll go get the lighthouse. I'll spend my life and my Monday through Saturday working on my bridge, and I'll spend my Sunday tending the lighthouse. But you know what? Can't tell you how many times I've woken up and saw the sun, but by noon, the dark clouds of life were billowing over my head. Can't tell me how, how many days I woke up with faith, but by lunchtime, I was pounded with doubt. How many times depression seemed to blow in my life unexpectedly. And you know what? If I wasn't keeping up that lighthouse every day. That old song sang years ago, Mother Wright sang, I thank God for the lighthouse. I owe my life to him. King Jesus is the lighthouse. And from the rocks of sin, he has shown his light around us that I might clearly see if it wasn't for the lighthouse, where would this ship be? There's a verse of that song says, the big ships, they don't sail this way anymore. There's no use it standing around. But my mind wanders back to the dark and stormy night when just in time I saw the light. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, where would I be? Do you know what, folks? All of us came to God because we saw the light of that lighthouse. But just because it worked then doesn't mean let's just build a bridge because we've advanced past that. We don't need a lighthouse anymore. We've got a bridge. No, 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 no. You need a lighthouse. You need a lighthouse of relationship. You don't need the, the confines of church. You need the beacon of relationship. 
You need to get up every day in your life and make sure that the beacon of relationship is shining in your life. You need to get sometimes get your paint bucket out and spend a few more minutes than you normally would doing what? Maintaining the beacon of relationship. Spending some time making sure that light is working. Making sure. There are going to be days where you're going to have to get in the lighthouse and you're going to have to get your rag out and you're going to have to go through and you're going to have to do like David said, search me, oh Lord. Know my thoughts. If there be anything in me, Lord, take it out. And you need to search that lighthouse and you need to go in and then you know what thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path there are days you need to get in that word why because the more I'm in that word the brighter the light gets the less I know about the word the the dimmer my light is but the more I know about the word he'll never leave me or forsake me brighter light he's with me always brighter light wherever I go he will be there brighter light the more I get of him in me the brighter light is why is that important because there are dark days ahead in all of our lives and if we want to make it to heaven if we don't want just to be a short trip where we just come a little bit and we we fall away I need a lighthouse got to make sure I keep that light going. 2017, let that be the year of your lighthouse. Don't let it just be a year coming in church every once in a while and checking, making sure, well, this looks good or that looks good. Or, oh, we don't really need all that, preacher. Come on, let's get on the bridge. Let's go. We got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. Why do we need that lighthouse? Brown, why do we need that lighthouse? I don't even know that lighthouse is there. Oh, how many times do we get up and we get on our bridge and we drive back and forth all day and we forget Jesus is down there. Oh, we drive by. I drove by. I've driven that bridge many times. I believe that's, isn't it 95? Isn't it the George Washington 95? I've been on that bridge many times. I never knew that lighthouse was there. I never paid attention to that. You know why? Because I'm busy. I'm driving. You can't see it. you got to take some time out of your day. You can't just look and glance and say, oh, there it is. You've got to actually take time and have a destination and stop and look at that lighthouse. You can't see it while you're doing 60 on the bridge. You've actually got to take some time and navigate to the lighthouse. You can't develop your relationship with God going back and forth 60 miles an hour over the bridge, glancing over and say, oh, Jesus is still there. I'm okay. But you've got to make a purpose in every day that you stop and you make a detour of your day and you find that lighthouse. Even if it's just simply to say, I want to thank the lighthouse today that it's still standing. I may not need it today, but I'm thankful it's still there. I may not need it today, but I'm thankful for the light. Why? Because I know there's coming a day in the darkness of my life where that light will be the thing that saves me. I got to have that light. I got to get that light. I got to find that light. I don't want to lose that light. I don't want that light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I know that's a a silly, silly deal, silly song, but that whole attitude, you know, I won't let the devil blow it out. The devil wants to tell you there's no need anymore. That was the whole, that was the whole attitude of the city. We don't need this anymore. We got the bridge. 
Lighthouse, 40 feet tall. Bridge, 600 feet tall. We don't need a bridge. We don't need that lighthouse. Stupid. Tear it down. We don't need that anymore. We've got better things. We're more advanced. But the power of the lighthouse. The power of the lighthouse. Is seen not on the good day. There are landmarks today in that city. I name you know them. Even if you've never been there, you at least know them, seen pictures. If I say Statue of Liberty, oh, I know what that looks like. If I see the Empire State Building, oh, I know what that looks like. I see Times Square, oh, yeah, I know that. Brooklyn Bridge, oh, yeah. Jeffrey Hook Lighthouse. What? Who? Who's Jeffrey? Whitey Hook. I don't know who that is. Captain Hook? What? But you know what? If you're on that river in a storm, you don't care about the Statue of Liberty. You don't care about the Empire State Building. You don't care about all the billboards and flashing signs of Times Square. You don't care about all that. You need a light. And you know what? The world has its Times Square. The world has its Statue of Liberty. The world has its Empire State Building. And we can get all enamored with all that. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. Oh, why do we need to come to church? Look at all that stuff. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. You know what? When Hurricane Sandy rolled through New York, there were no people in the Empire State Building having a good time. Times Square wasn't filled with people. There were no tours to the Statue of Liberty, to Ellis Island, because there was a storm. Shut everything down. In fact, the lower part of Manhattan flooded. But in that storm, guess what stood? The lighthouse. There's coming a day, folks, in your life, there's going to be a storm. It's inevitable. Jesus even predicted it. In this world, you shall have tribulation. And you may sit here tonight and you may think, I don't need a lighthouse. I don't have time, preacher, to spend time on that lighthouse. But there'll come a day you need that. And you know what? The church is like Motel 6. We'll leave the light on. There'll be somebody here making sure the light stays on. But you know what? There may come a day where you can't get here. And if your whole light's dependent upon this church, you're not going to make it. You've got to have your own light. You have to have your own light. You can't always look to my light. I'm not saying me, I'm just using, I'm not saying, back it up. You can't always look here, forward, or next to your left or right for someone else's light. Get your own light. Because you won't survive always counting on somebody else's light. Would you stand with me tonight?
I challenge you tonight in the Holy Ghost. I challenge you. Don't neglect the lighthouse. I challenge you. Don't spend so much time on your bridge going back and forth that you forget the need for that lighthouse. And you know what's really sad tonight? We've made so much progress in so many ways. But the last step we need to make is we all need to make a fresh commitment to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That goes beyond the the idea of Sunday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if you're in a care group, but becomes a daily part of our lives that we walk with him, that we talk with him, that we fellowship with him. That's beyond just simply a relationship with the church, but it becomes a relationship with him. Let me ask you this. I close and I stop with this. How would your life change tonight if the government came in this room and said, we are no longer going to allow any more public meetings of any churches? How would your relationship with God change? Some of you, sadly, some of you, you would not make it Because everything you know about God and all your relationship with him revolves around what you experience in this room on a weekly basis. But you know what? It shouldn't be that way. Because every day, new mercies. (laughs) Every day, new mercies. They say the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. They got it wrong. It's better than that. The best part of waking up is to know that today I've got new mercies that are available to me. Would you just lift your hands to heaven right now? Let's just love the Lord. Can we do that? Come on, let this be a challenge you to tonight. I'm not looking for a response because you know what? There's no need for a response. Respond. Instead of responding tonight, respond tomorrow morning when it matters. It's easy to respond tonight. Come down, say a few prayers, mumble, maybe even get a tear or two to come out of your eye. And then Monday morning when you get up, go back on the bridge. But I'm challenging you. Make tomorrow your altar call. Not tonight on Sunday when it's convenient. But get up in the morning, stop off the bridge, and say, I just want to make sure my lighthouse is working today. Make Monday your altar. Make Tuesday your altar. Make Wednesday your altar. Don't make just Sunday night your altar. Don't respond out of emotion. Oh, that sounds good, preacher. I want to do that. No! That you get up in the morning and you get back on your bridge and you keep driving back and forth, back and forth. But I'm asking you, make tomorrow your altar call. Make tomorrow morning your altar. When you get up, hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands one more time and let's just love them. Lord, I loose in this place tonight faith and hunger in your people. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless this church with hunger and thirst for you. And Lord, those of us that are not hungry, I pray, God, that you would bring things in our life that would cause us to be hungry. Cause us to thirst. Cause us to seek you. Cause us to find you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
I speak the seed of the word that you have spoken in this place tonight. I speak the seed to be planted in the hearts of the people in this room. That fruit would, be, would come from this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just clap our hands and thank the Lord. Can we do that? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you love the Lord, say amen. Amen. We're going forward. As they, we used to say, if God be for us, who can be against us, right? Praise God. Don't forget, please take these with us. Because you, if you won't see me, take them. Worst come to worst, drive down the road, throw them out your window and just say Jesus' name. Do something with them. They're no good if we don't use them. Praise God. God bless you.